0: What a joy to welcome you to our morning service, Hamilton Square Baptist Church. We're still in business for the Lord. It's a joy to worship the Lord, to praise Him, to thank Him, to recount His blessings, to become aware of His goodness in our life and His greatness in our lives. What a joy to be a Christian in these dark days in which we can shine as a light in a dark age. May the Lord give us great blessing as we meet and fellowship and worship together today. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then God says, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. This is the crying need of the day in which we are living. So we're going to turn our hearts and minds toward the true and the living God. Rejoice in Him. Give praise to Him. And as we begin our service today, I want to ask Pastor Pelletier to read the Scripture lesson of the morning out of Matthew's Gospel. Out of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. And uh, you'll you'll, you'll note that our Lord Jesus said that you have to have a good foundation under what you do, under what you believe, and under your ministry. Listen carefully, please, as he reads the Scripture. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. What's the first verse?
1: Verse 15. Matthew Matthew 7, verse 15, down to verse 27. So follow along as I read. uh, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly... and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. May God bless the reading of his word.
0: We've been dealing with the subject how to live and minister in an aggressively pagan age, and this age is aggressively pagan, aggressively and evangelistically pagan. We're talking about a woke generation and a canceled generation, where we cancel out everything with which we disagree. And uh, the problem is that when you're at odds with God, you have a lot of difficulty trying to cancel God out. And uh, they're trying to do that. They are attempting to do that. But it won't work. It will not work. But how do you live? How do you minister in an age like this? Well, you have to have an unmovable foundation in your life. You can't be blown about by every wind and every influence that comes and everybody that seeks to make demands on what you know and what you believe and and, and what you practice. There must be an unmovable foundation, a personal, personal knowledge of God, not a knowledge about God, but a personal relationship with God. And uh, it must be based upon the Word of God, as we we heard in the uh, Scripture lesson of the morning. The word of God is the truth and the truth is so hard to discern these days when we're talking about reopening our church and you talk about sources of information. The problem is that many sources of of truth have been canceled out or off of the Internet. They are not available. They are being excluded. Any differing opinions are being are being excluded and, and put off, put off of the Internet. It's absolutely amazing as to the times in which we live. How do you find the truth? All you know is what people want you to know. And the problem is that truth is irrelevant to these people. Their opinions precede the demand for truth. So the Word of God must be proclaimed as the exclusive, authentic source of information. We have a created order out of Genesis that sets the pace for what we believe and what we practice. It is filled with God's plan, God's purpose and God's design. We do not leave that. There is God's plan for the ages, what takes place is, what takes place in time, and God is in charge of that and we are a part of that great of that great plan and purpose. I started reading this week through the book of Acts and uh, the first question we have in the book of Acts is the disciples asking the Lord Jesus Is it at this particular time now? Is this the time? Are you going to uh, bring in the kingdom now? No, they didn't. They didn't question, are you going to bring in the kingdom? They believed that Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign over the world. They asked him, is now the time? And Jesus said, that's not for you to know. You're You're going to have power from the Holy Spirit of God. You're going to be my witnesses in the whole world, was his response to that. So we are living in an age where the witness of the gospel is being proclaimed around the world. And God is in charge of that. God has created the ages. And this was all set in motion before the world was created, before the foundations of the world. God has a plan in human history, and we've reviewed that. And as we look at the day in which we live, God is not surprised. God is never caught by surprise. God is always ahead of what's happening He's on the cutting edge, and he's ahead of the cutting edge. And do you know, believer, do you know this? Before you get out into your life this week, are you listening? Oh, I hope you are. Before you and I get out into our life this week, God will already have been there before we get there. And we need to be aware of that and confident in that fact. We have a great God, and he goes before us. He goes in front of us. He goes ahead of us, and you'll find this expression numerous times in the Psalms and in other scriptures. So God has a plan for our personal lives, and with confidence then, we move ahead in an age that is antagonistic to what we believe and hold dear to our hearts. And then on page 5 of the notes, the 8th point there, There will be no peace or joy in your heart and mind unless you are confident in God's character and in God's works. There will be no stability or power in your life. You have to be confident that God, that God will bring justice, that God will straighten this mess out ultimately. You remember we said the fear of God is a 2 edged sword. It is the absolute moral certainty. That without fail, God will ultimately judge and destroy everything that is wrong. And the other side of that coin is, it's the absolute moral certainty that without fail, God will ultimately reward and establish everything that is right. That's the confidence which we, with which we live. And we have that text in Luke. When the Son of God comes, will he find this kind of confidence in? In God, in the character, the goodness, the faithfulness of God. Will he find that? And you and I need to know, it doesn't matter how bad it gets. God is going to take care of it. God will not ignore the wrong and he will not, he will not ignore the right. Mm -hmm. God is going to take care of this. He is in charge. The circumstances are not in charge. Satan is not in charge. The Republicans and Democrats are not in charge president z of china is not in charge god is in charge we need to bear this in mind our governor is not in charge god is ultimately in charge of all of this so now we come now we come to kind of a dividing point and just a little change in direction not much we're on the same subject and we're on page 6 of the notes <clears throat> The reason for the mess we are in. Why are we in the mess? We just had a huge, we had a huge, uh, What are we, I don't know what to call it, a huge uh, kind of a circus in Washington, D.C., a political circus. And that's exactly what it was. Principle, out the window. Right and wrong, out the window. Everything, politics, my side, your side, I hate you, you hate me. And, and all of the conflict that, that is there. Why are we in the mess we are in? In San Francisco, if you have a certain viewpoint, you lose your job if your employer finds out about it. Why do we have to set of minds, people, good people, and, and let's say they are good people, sincere people anyway, one set against the other, and ready to cut each other's throats. Why is all of this there? <clears throat> well, there is a reason for it. There is a reason for it. The reason is this. There are two mutually exclusive, totally incompatible kingdoms in this world. Now, you you have the kingdom of righteousness and the kingdom of sin and wickedness. You have the kingdom of God and you have the kingdom of Satan. These kingdoms are not compatible. They are mutually exclusive. You can't you can't be on God's uh, uh, have the principles of the kingdom of God and get along with with the kingdom of Satan you can't do it and and if you're governed by the principles of the kingdom of Satan you can't get along with the kingdom of God they, they they're, they're total opposites you can't go to the right and to the left at the same time I mean it's not possible you can't go up and down at the same time you can't do that that's not possible you can't go and uh, who, who, who was it? Was it Shakespeare? drew had, who had uh, somebody in their, in, their, in their play, Mr. Facing Both Directions? Mm-hmm. Mr. Facing, Facing Most Directions. It reminds me that the fellow was talking about a politician. He said there were two things nice about him, <laughs> his face. So, <laughs> so, so anyway, um, uh, you have two mutually exclusive kingdoms, and they're in the same world. And you have some people, whether, whether, they, whether this is conscious, whether it's unconscious, doesn't matter. Uh, whether, whether there's a decision to do this and, 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 and be a part of this, that doesn't matter. Everyone in this world is a part of one of these kingdoms. And some Christians try to have a foot in both of them. So, so uh, you've got two mutually exclusive, totally incompatible kingdoms in this world. And, and let, we'll, we'll get to the consequences of this shortly. Uh, you have a sample in 2 Corinthians. Uh, and notice in the, in the uh, middle of the page there, the New American Standard rendering of, of 2 Corinthians 6. Do not be, that means stop becoming bound together with unbelievers. So now he's recognizing you have believers and unbelievers. What partnership... Have righteousness and lawlessness. Okay, there you've got two kingdoms at work. What fellowship is light with darkness? You have two kingdoms there. Uh, What harmony has Christ with Belial? Two kingdoms there, Christ with the devil. What has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Two kingdoms. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? Two kingdoms. We are the temple of God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God. They shall be my people. Well, therefore, he said, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord. Draw a, put a fence around you to separate you and get inside of that fence. Be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch, literally stop touching what is unclean. Again, here you have the clean and the unclean. You have the two kingdoms And I will welcome you and will be a father to you. You shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord, says the Lord Almighty. So you have the sample here of the two kingdoms and how they are incompatible. And believers are called, believers are called to be completely, to live their lives completely within the realm of the kingdom of God. That seems to be a reasonable requirement. If you are married, you don't want your husband living in your house and somebody else's house at the same time. Or you don't want your wife living in your house and another person's house. You You want the person to be yours. You want your wife or husband to be yours completely. So, there are two mutually exclusive, totally incompatible kingdoms in this world. Now again... I want to uh, want to read read the quote that I read at uh, one time previously uh, out of the Frontline magazine. And our leadership gets this magazine. Have you read this yet? But on page six in an article by Pastor Ben Heffern, Heffernan, we have this paragraph. And it's one of the most profound paragraphs I've read in a long, long time. Let me read it for you again. The cause of chaos in America today stems from a malicious refusal to agree with God's definition of goodness. Many therefore call evil good and good evil. They put darkness for light and light for darkness to their own hurt. These evil days remind believers of the value of truth and goodness. There is a fundamental distinction between that which hurts and that which heals. Between that which tears down and that which builds up. Between that which destroys and that which blesses. The vital distinction undergirds the foundation of a much maligned doctrine, the doctrine of separation. At the heart of the doctrine of separation is the ability to recognize evil. The courage to condemn it and the willingness to reject. Believers must practice biblical separation because it honors the fundamental distinction between goodness and evil. Ignoring this doctrine makes one guilty of being an accomplice to evil and contributes to the deception that evil is good. Wow. How do you live in a pagan age? Well, you cannot be at peace in a pagan age. You're going to be at peace with God. But to be at peace with the age? Impossible. To have a message for sinners? ha! Ah, ha ha ha! That's what we do as believers. So, the distinction between good and evil, there are two mutually exclusive, totally incompatible kingdoms in this world. Now, go to page 7. Page 7 on your notes. Now, page 6, there were five illicit relationships. You can't have partnership, fellowship, harmony, commonality, or agreement because of the incompatibility of these two kingdoms. So the note there says, under these conditions, unity or harmony is possible only if one of these kingdoms completely displaces or dominates over the other. Now, that's true. Until until the devil gives up, there's going to be a battle. Or until God gives up, there's going to be a battle. And I have news for you. God is not a loser. Satan is the ultimate loser. Jesus Christ said, I saw Satan as lightning fall from heaven. And through the work of the cross, he defeated the enemy. He made spoils of principalities and powers in an open public show of triumph over them through the work of the cross, according to Colossians 2. So under these conditions, unity or harmony is possible only if one of these kingdoms completely displaces or dominates the other. Now, are you awake at this point? Are you awake at this point? Somebody says... We need peace, we, we, we need tolerance, we, but, but, but wickedness does not tolerate righteousness. Right. And I've got news for you, righteousness does not tolerate wickedness. Right. So, unless, unless the wickedness gives up, the righteous will have no peace. And unless the righteous give up, the wicked should have no peace. That's the conditions in which we're living. Now, in America, America was founded largely on biblical, and, uh, biblical principles. The Judeo christian ethic prevailed in the early history of our country. And because of that, righteousness had the upper hand in America for, for, for almost 200 years. Now, wickedness has the upper hand. It's changed now. The dynamic has changed. So, under these conditions, unity or harmony is... By, everybody says, look, I'm the president the, the the president, president said, I want to unify the nation. Under what? Under God? But God isn't in his picture. That's the problem. How are you going to unify a nation when you have the righteous over here and you've got the wicked over here? you got the pagans over here and the righteous over here. You can't unify that nation. You can't do it. You have an academic system that, that throws the Bible out and throws God out, and then you've got people over here that educate their own children in home schools and in Christian schools. And one is taught one way, and the other is taught the opposite way. One is taught that you murder babies from the womb, the other taught is you don't, that life is sacred. How do you have unity and harmony in a nation like that? How do you do that? That's the question. And then when you have that disunity, then what do you do? And may I say, you'd better gospelize and win souls, and preach the word, and walk with God. So, under these conditions, it's only possible for unity and harmony if these two kingdoms is placed. So if, if we think that politically we're going to have harmony from this day forward in America, no way, no way. Why is the purge going on in the new administration in Washington getting rid of all the people that have Christian values? Why is that going on now? That's to provide unity in the government. But unity for whom and against whom? Right. That's the question, all right? So the second item in this note, this sets the stage for perpetual conflict everywhere. And it does. The culmination of which we read in the book of Revelation. What's going on in the book of Revelation? And it's hard to really put it together right. Remember I told you at the beginning of the message out of Acts chapter 1. The disciples are asking Jesus, is this the time, are you right now, are you are going to restore the kingdom of Israel at this time? Well, that doesn't happen until the end of the book of Revelation. What is the book of Revelation all about? The book of Revelation is all about the, the, the total pagan resistance to the coming kingdom of Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. Antichrist is about fighting Jesus Christ. Taking the rights of Jesus Christ away from him, which he can't do because on the end Jesus Christ comes and Antichrist ends up in hell. And then the kingdom does come for a thousand years. Jesus Christ will reign. Jesus will reign. Every place the sun, its successive journeys run. His kingdom spread from shore to shore. That will happen. That will happen. But Revelation Tells you how desperate the conflict against Jesus Christ and the people of God becomes. And the saints are murdered, I am assuming by the millions. And you have these saints in heaven crying out, How long will it take till you avenge your blood on these, on these wicked people, these satanically inspired people on the earth? That goes on in Revelation. So, if you think it's bad in America today, you better cheer up. We haven't gotten there yet. Okay? We haven't gotten there yet. All right? Notice these strange words of Jesus. Do you suppose that I came to grant peace on earth? I tell you, what's the next word? No. But rather, division. From now on, five members in one household will be divided, three against two, two against three. They will be divided father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Does Jesus delight when people hate each other? Absolutely not. But they don't do it because he wants to, they do it because they insist that he is wrong and they are right. Right. That's called sin and wickedness and rebellion. Jesus said this is the way it's going to be because the other side will not capitulate. They will not give in. They will not not admit that they are wrong. And if you look at Revelation, when these great judgments are coming from heaven, it says, Neither repented they. They did not repent. Even under the hand of Great judgments from God. You see, I may be talking to someone today, you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you're living in the kingdom of darkness. And you're confronted with the fact that your deeds are wrong, your life is wrong because it's living outside of the plan and the purposes and the ways of God. Mm-hmm. Repentance means that you get off of that side, and you get on God's side. Right. And repentance means that you acknowledge that God is right, and you acknowledge that you are going to live your, God, your life no longer on your terms, but you are going to live your life on God's terms. Right. That's repentance. It's not changing your life. It's changing the sides you're living on. It's ex- exercising your will. And moving from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of... And you can do this. The Holy Spirit is talking to your heart right now. And the Holy Spirit of God will enable you to cry out to Jesus Christ to receive Him as your Savior. That you can do. Now, the problem that we have today is God's people have not been educated in the Word of God to recognize really what is right and what is wrong and what is truth and what is error. We live in a day when many pastors are biblically illiterate. Sadly, that is absolutely true. Now, let's move on in our notes. Confusing these two kingdoms is catastrophic. And it's being done today. First of all, as to identity and definition. Isaiah 5 and verse 20. Woe unto them that call evil good. Let's look at the New American Standard. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Whoa. It's catastrophic. As to our relationship with them, he who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous, both of them are alike an abomination to the to the Lord. And today we hear we, we, we have political parties that are devoted That are devoted to condemning righteous people. And to justifying wicked people. Justifying moral wickedness. And making laws against righteousness. Mm -hmm. This is happening in our day and in our age. But confusing the kingdom of light and darkness. Of right and wrong. Of God and of Satan. Confusing these two kingdoms is catastrophic. Now we need to honor the distinction between good and evil. The kingdom of darkness established itself on planet Earth through the sin of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. I think that the momentous nature of the decision that Eve made, I think, will never be fully comprehended. What Eve did and what Adam did was essentially, essentially, took the kingdom of this Earth over which God had given them charge and trust. He said, rule over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air. Rule over my creation. I'm I'm giving you rulership over this thing. I'm making you the king of the earth in essence. And what happened in that fateful day was they took the rule that God had given them and instead of placing it under God's authority, they placed it under Satan's authority. And that is why Satan looked Jesus in the eye and said if you'll bow down and worship me I'll give you these kingdoms all the kingdoms of the world because they are mine to give to you. Wow. What a statement. What a statement. May I say that you have a world over which you preside. You may not think it's very big but you have influence. You have a world of influence. And may I ask you for whose glory are you ruling this world of influence over which God has placed you? Whose kingdom? Whose is it? You bring your world into God's, under God's authority or under Satan's authority? Under whose authority are you bringing your world? Very, very important question. The kingdom of darkness established itself on planet Earth through the sin of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. We do not have sickness and death We do not have sorrow and war because God's a bad God. We have it because Satan is an evil, wicked king over his kingdom. These things come from sin, not from God. It is amazing to me that God gets blamed for the consequences of this kingdom of darkness, this kingdom of wickedness. Cain was devoted to evil. You'll remember... God said to Adam don't eat of this tree. The day you eat of this tree with certainty you are going to die. Death is going to be the warrant on your action. And the the devil came along and talked to Eve and said you will not certainly die. You certainly will not die. The liar. The liar. The man killer. The murderer. He said you certainly will not die. Why? You're going to be like God. God is holding out on you. There's a bigger and a better life for you in another kingdom. And, and for sure, before Adam died, before Eve died, Abel died. Cain was a murderer. He was a man killer. It came with haste. Violence began with Cain who murdered his brother. Cain was devoted to evil. Where is Abel your brother? The Lord said to Cain. Well, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Now you're cursed from the ground which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you cultivate the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. You will begin to be a vagrant and wanderer in the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is too great to bear. And Lamech Cain's grandson was devoted to evil. He was a violent, murderous man. He said, I've slain a man for wounding me. I've killed a man for wounding me and a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, mine is seventy-sevenfold. Wow. Wow. There is a difference between God and Satan. There is a, there's a difference between the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of God. And it is catastrophical when we mix the one kingdom up with the other and we think that that, we, that one that, that the kingdom of Satan can favor us and help us and bless us and improve our situation in life. When we think that sin will benefit us, lying will help us, adultery will make us happier, stealing will make our life more abundant. Amazing. Amazing, amazing. Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. He rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. He died for us that we might have life. The one who knew no sin was made sin for us. Wow. Wow. What a God. I plead with you today, if you're a believer, if you're a believer, Take all of your investments out of the kingdom of darkness and get them all in the kingdom of light. Mm -hmm. And if you're not a believer, listen, get on the other side. Repent today. The Spirit of God will give you a new life, a new birth, a life you don't have will be created inside of you in an instant of time supernaturally. And what you didn't love five minutes ago, you'll love and To love God and to love what's right will become natural for you through a new birth called being born again. God can change your life today. But there's going to be, now listen, there's no hope. The Republicans and Democrats, whoever is on whatever side, there cannot be, there will not be, there will not be unity in the United States of America any longer. Now, one side will prevail over the other, but the other is going to kick and scream. If the righteous people rule, the pagans are going to kick and scream. They've been doing that for four years. And if the pagans rule, the Christians are going to kick and scream. But unity, I'm not a prophet. I simply know the Word of God, and unity under these conditions will not exist. So give up the fact that we're going to have peaceful Unified, wonderful days experiencing the American Dream. That's over. That's over. But there can be days of tremendous power and joy in the Church of Jesus Christ. We have a message from God which, which is verified by the Spirit of the Living God. And We can see lives transformed by the thousands if we will give ourselves to evangelism in these days So may the Spirit of God move on our hearts if we're Christians Let's get a hundred percent on God's side right and if you're not a Christian today come on over come on Let's go. Let's get things moving in your life The consequences of sin are not going to get fewer and less in your life. They're going to get greater Sin is going to become more binding and the darkness will be deeper. Come on over into the light. I trust today that if you'll trust the Savior, Lord Jesus, save me. Come into my life. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. May that be the prayer and the cry of your heart right in this very moment. Let's build our lives not on the sand but on the solid rock of God's eternal truth found in an inspired scripture, the Word of God, the Bible. Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for loving us. That you would accept us into your kingdom. We were on the wrong side when we started. All of us were. God, I pray that in this moment, men and women and boys and girls will cry out to the Lord Jesus to save them. And I pray that in this moment, your people, your people will cry out to you and say, Oh God, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to you. May we be on the right side. May we make distinctions. May we not have false expectations in the day in which we live. May our hope and our joy be completely in you. We pray it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.